everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Master Instructor Roundtable. I'm Regional Master Instructor Marty Miller, here as always with fellow Regional Master Instructor, and most importantly, dear friend, Miss Wendy Batts. Wendy, how you doing? I'm great, Marty. How are you? Good. Can't complain. Clearly, I'm not at home, so I'm actually not too far from you. I'm just at an airport hotel in Atlanta, uh, <laughs> my next stop, but you know, you never know where I'll be, but I'm excited for this week's topic for sure. Yes, me too. And I'm really excited that we have a very special guest. So Marty, why don't you tell us a little bit about him so we can bring him in and start the conversation? Absolutely. Might as well get right to it. So today we have Chris Nentars, who's a physical therapist and movement coach who specializes in sports, orthopedic, rehabilitation, reconditioning. He has over 22 years of practice and experience. So we're going to have a great conversation and we're going to talk kind of all things suspension training today. I love it. I love it. Hi, Chris. Chris. Welcome to the show. Wendy, thank you. Marty, thank you for the kind introduction. Uh, it's great to be here. I'm a little bit of a, a fanboy, so if I uh, get nervous, it's only because, you know, I'm super impressed here. by what you've all done. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Well, we're excited to have you on because you have quite a resume yourself. And so, you know, Chris, looking at all the things that you've done, and especially with you being a physical therapist, I found it um, absolutely interesting the things that you do with TRX and in your practice. So can you let us know a little bit about your journey? Like how did you get in with TRX and then how do you apply it? Yeah, sure. Well, it's been, it's been a great journey and I've been blessed to, to be part of the TRX family and be part of TRX almost since the exception, inception. Um, my journey began many years ago when I saw a TRX at a fitness conference and I was really impressed by some of the unique benefits that the suspension trainer offered. And I saw immediate uh, implications into what I was um, doing from an athletic rehab standpoint and also some um, really nice ways that I could ratchet up the training from the performance standpoint. So I was all in in the beginning um, and that was about 15 years ago. Uh, at that time, I was also working with US Soccer and Exos, formerly Athletes Performance, and Chris Frankel, who um, was with previously TRX, is now with a different company called Beaverfit. He came in and really offered us a in-service of what the suspension trainer does. Um, and it took for me what was a tool into something that really uh, elevated my system um, and got me thinking a little bit differently about various ways we could use the device. So it went from simple, you know, a couple of rowing exercises or a couple unweighted exercises to, you know, a full repertoire of programming. Um, and then from then on, I was really all in on what the suspension trainer offered and what the family and, you know, TRX was for. Awesome. Excellent, Chris. And, you know, Wendy and I both use suspension training a ton. I'm a big fan of, of TRX. So can you talk about some of the unique benefits of using a TRX or other suspension trainers you know, at a kind of like a high level, and then we'll maybe dig a little deeper from there. Absolutely. Well, I think, Marty, one of the things that we see about the suspension trainer, and, and you're a perfect example right now, is you could use it anywhere. Mm -hmm. So whether you're at a gym or, or a hotel room like you're at, we could actually use that system and it's portable. And, and that's really important, especially because that offers us an opportunity to get buy-in from our clients and our athletes. We know in order for us to be able to reach our goals and theirs, they need to buy into our programming. They need to do something that's a, you know, an easy fit into their lifestyle. And um, the TRX does that. It's portable. It allows us to do it anywhere, anytime, including the home, which is very important for people to, you know, use to adopt that movement lifestyle that we're all promoting. Um, and it's also scalable. 
So whether you're, you know, someone who's deconditioned coming out of, you know, an illness or rehab or someone who's a high level athlete, um, the TRX suspension trainer could really be used to meet those bookends to help uh, people be successful and meet them where they are in their, you know, um, journey. That's awesome. And Chris, that kind of leads me into the, to the next question. Marty and I have done a ton of different uh, webinars and podcasts talking about the importances of being able to take an exercise and regress it and progress it. And I know with suspension training, there's no, you know, that's obviously still follows suit. So can you kind of talk us through like, you know, different principles of progression that you guys have, or, or, you know, especially following the OPT model um, how that would work for basically anybody that uh, comes aboard. Yeah, when you, you hit the nail on the head, there's times to, you know, pump the brake and there's times to press on the gas and suspension trainer really allows that. Um, and part of that is through the process of using those three principles of progression. So the first principle of progression, which many of us are familiar with is the vector resistance principle. And a good example of an exercise that uses the vector resistance principle is a TRX row. So simply by moving your feet closer or further from the anchor point, we instantaneously change the load that we put on the body. So therefore I could make it really demanding, which is gonna be great for certain injuries and in certain situations, or I could regress it instantaneously, or you know, we could do both. So if I'm working on conditioning and um, strength endurance, I could actually have people change their um, resistance throughout the, the exercise. The next principle of progression is what we call our pendulum principle. And this is really advantageous, especially when we're talking about putting people to the ground. Um, and since I'm a physical therapist, I could bring up a great example of how we might use that pendulum principle in um, someone with a hamstring rehabilitation. So if someone injures their hamstring or they have a tendinopathy, we could put them in the ground, use a TRX hamstring curl and simply have them change where they are compared to the um, suspension trainer anchor point and change that load instantaneously. So again, with tendinopathies, we need to find entry points for intense exercises and using that pendulum principle will help us. And the third example that we like to talk about as far as you know progressing people is a stability principle. And we see this a lot. An example I'll give is a TRX chest press. We understand the um, benefits of introducing pressing early on in a rehab protocol. Not only is it great for upper body strength or power, but it's great for kinetic chain linking. It's great for connecting the upper body to the, the core, which is going to be essential for spine rehab. So if someone can't handle a big load to their upper body by simply having them lift a foot off the ground during that chest press, I create the need for rotational stability. I add um, a little bit of unilateral loading from the bottom up using the kinetic chain. And therefore I make uh, what could be a safe exercise for the shoulder, a fairly challenging exercise for the spine or the center of the body. Excellent. And for those of you just joining myself, Marty Miller and Wendy Batts on the Master Instructor Roundtable, we have a very special guest today, physical therapist, Chris Nentars, and we're talking about all things suspension training. So Chris, you kind of we're going to almost stole my next question, but can you talk a little bit about the unilateral benefits of training on suspension? Sure, sure. I think, you know, in our industry, in our rehab, you know, protocols and, you know, uh, systems, we might neglect unilateral pushing, pulling, squatting, you know, et cetera, et cetera, more than anything else. Unilateral exercises give us um, 
uh, tie into immediate function. A lot of the sports and our activities of daily living don't involve symmetry. So by training in a unilateral aspect, we start to breed out any asymmetry that may be involved. Um, in addition, you know, it starts to create the need to stabilize in the, the transverse plane or the rotational plane. So if you were to do a single arm row, think of all the benefits that single arm exercise would give you versus the double arm exercise. So if I'm doing a suspended single arm row, all of a sudden I have to create, you know, that ideal scapular position. I have to mitigate rotational forces in my body, um, which really elevates the exercise. Um, and when we're dealing with clients, with athletes, every rep counts, whether it's a pro football player who, you know, has a limited, you know, um, career span, or whether it's somebody who has limited repetitions because they have injury or deconditioning on board, the unilateral um, training aspects, especially in unloaded positions, um, sort of elevates the exercise. It makes it a little more beneficial um, and it creates rotational stability, which we know is very important because that transverse plane tends to be the plane of injury that most people get, you know, injured in. Uh, plane of motion that most people get injured in. You know what? We actually, I actually had this really long conversation for somebody that was like really debating with me on that comment. So I'm so grateful that you just said that, Chris. Um, and because it is really important. We, we talk about this all the time with NASM, that most injuries occur when you're decelerating in the transverse plane. And so, you know, again, super kudos to just, you know, validating all the stuff I say daily. Um, and I know Marty follows that as well. But, you know, I think one of the things that that sometimes we neglect, especially when we think about sus suspension training, we know that it's very, you know, core based. We know that it's very challenging or we can make it challenging, but it's also really good with mobility. And I noticed that you had made a statement that the TRX is the secret weapon um, to enhance mobility. So can you because we, we, we always talk about foam rolling and stretching, but how would you incorporate suspension training in that same category? Sure, sure. Well, I think, you know, foam rolling, stretching, those are all a very important part of any mobility regimen. There's also something that um, can be gained by taking the body through a full range of motion. So by unloading somebody, for example, if we were to hold on the suspension trainer and just do a simple body weight squat, I'm unloading somebody, allowing them to get into joint positions that they may not be able to otherwise. And then add manual therapy on top of that. So if I wanna do a mobilization of the ankle while someone's doing an unloaded squat, there's a ton and ton of benefits there. So getting people unloaded allows access to positions that they may not uh, have otherwise. And I think there's lots of different reasons for that, whether it's, you know, curtailing or skirting a, a joint mobility restriction, um, whether it's giving them deep, better muscle activation. For example, you know, we know in order to activate the deep hip rotators, we need to get into a, a deep squat. So if I can't do that in a loaded scenario because I have an injured knee or because I have a blocked ankle joint by getting them in a suspension trainer, all of a sudden we can, which is pretty important. In addition, part of the mobility continuum involves being stable at end ranges. So if I was to take the suspension trainer and imagine doing an unloaded hinge variation where I have the suspension trainer straps in front of me, if I was to press into the suspension training straps, it would light up and give me tension through my kinetic chain and using the core, getting tension into my lat would breed mobility in my hip. So there's a lot of different secrets that we could use that don't just involve unloading people, but involve giving people tension at end range, which helps open that mobility window, if that makes sense. Huh. 
Who knew? <laughs> yeah, I know you knew. You're just. I, I know, but you said it way better than I did, Chris. So you made it really kind of simple to follow. And I think, you know, especially being a manual therapist and, and Marty being an athletic trainer, we can definitely um, agree that there are so many bonus points. But to kind of piggyback off of that as a trainer, what would you suggest that someone that can't do the manual therapy, if you put them through these end ranges, then what would you suggest them do? Is it more like a holding pattern and moving around or, you know, just to stay within our scope, can you maybe dive a little bit deeper? Yeah, sure. I think you know, the answer is depends, but there's a couple really great things. I think, you know, creating an isometric contraction at end range, you know, is fairly safe. You know, it can be technical and involves a little bit of coaching um, on our end. Or if you have the suspension trainer, it, we create a, you know, environment where people can learn from. So by, you know, getting someone at the bottom of the squat and having them hold the suspension trainer as long, you know, as hard as they can, they're generating that force and isometric tension at end range, which is going to open the, the window for better stability and, and therefore allow, you know, for better motor control, which means certain muscles or patterns are going to be able to relax and you're going to benefit from that. Um, so I think that that's really, really important. I think also that idea of articulating an end range. So if we decide to whether go top down or bottom up and, and have a little bit of wiggle room in end range is what I call it with my patients, you know, that's, that's very important. So getting people to breathe at end ranges, you know, be comfortable there um, is all really important. If the body does not feel comfortable with those end ranges, it's less likely that the intervention that you're doing is going to stick. So by getting people comfortable, by getting the body to recognize that they can be, you know, strong in those end ranges, you know, we're going to have improved outcomes. Awesome. So that's really important. And Chris, you know, with NASM, we do our overhead squat, as you know, in our single leg squat. And, you know, a lot of times we're looking for muscle restriction and we find it frequently. Uh, and, you know, not everybody's the same, but on occasion, we'll find people who may not have the muscle restriction. They might be too mobile or may, they may just be too mobile in one joint and may still have restriction elsewhere. But let's shift our focus a little bit for those people that are hypermobile. How can you use suspension training and TRX to work safely with these individuals as well? Well, Marty, you bring up a great point. And um, I make a living out of, you know, therapists missing things. And one of the things that is commonly missed is someone who's hypermobile. So question for you, for the audience, if someone was to bend forward and touch their toes and be able to palm the floor, if we were to grade that test zero, one, or two, zero is being pain, two is being perfect. What would we tend to grade that? You know, most people would say, oh, I could palm the floor, right? That's a two or more. I would actually say that's imper imperfect motion because you might have uncontrolled motion that's happening. Right. So having stability, working with someone who's hypermobile is very different. And many times you'll see people in that overhead squat position who are hypermobile, they're limited in their squat. They're not limited on their body's tissues to get an end range. They're limited on their ability to stack their body segments as they move under load. So therefore, um, holding on to a suspension trainer, maybe pushing into the straps a little bit, again, adding that, that isometric is going to be powerful and letting them sort of earn that, that deeper position. Or as Marty says, earn the right to do it. And that's, that's something that he says. And today on the Master Instructor Roundtable, myself, Wendy Batts is here with Marty Miller, my co-host. And we have a special guest, Krista Torres, who's also a physical therapist and 
everything TRX as well as, you know, talking through some of these questions, I think on a corrective exercise standpoint that we take for granted when we are talking about suspension training, because we just really think of it more for strength, or I know, you know, back in the day, that's what I did when I first learned about it. And, you know, Chris, when we're talking about all this, you know, information, you hear people talk about systems and protocols and, and, you know, in your perspective, what is the difference between the two? Can you kind of elaborate a little bit more on that? Sure. I think you, you, you hit, bring up a really good point where, um, protocols are very linear and, and they might be necessary for young practitioners. They do a, a good job at preventing catastrophe, but systems really allow us to make the decisions uh, in real lifetime that are best for our patients. They allow us to use our you know, God-given talents. Uh, they allow us to use the tools that we have at our disposal at that time where protocols tell us to leave our brain at the door. Again, protocols are great. They give us a framework uh, and they help prevent, you know, injury and, and bad things from happening, but they're not always the best solution. So I think we follow this journey of good, better, best throughout, you know, our daily practice, our, our longevity as we learn and protocols may be good, but they're not always the best. So the TRX really is a system. It has set foundational principles we agree upon, just like the OPT model. They're common red threads that weave their way in and out of all the great practices that we're exposed to. Um, they're based on evidence and they're based on value-based care. They're based on things that we know are, are correct for our patients. So systems allow us to make decisions based on the patient's needs and what their individual you know, goals are as well. So that's a little bit about you know, protocol versus systems and the OPT model does a great job. You know, I was fortunate to be exposed uh, to that model at a very you know, young uh, time in my career. And it certainly shaped not only what I do from a performance and training standpoint, but also how I engage with patients. Because ultimately I want to get someone off my rehab table into the gym, into a fitness center, into you know, that idea of uh, movement lifestyle. Chris, one question I have is, you know, I'll age myself. Wendy knows why I've got something coming up next week, birthday wise, but you know, the three of us are definitely evidence-based. That's why we love NASM. That's why we went into the fields we did in today's world of Instagram. Uh, I, it's a great resource at times, but I also think sometimes people look at a tool such as suspension training and they try to make it too Instagrammable too quick. So I have a feeling I know where you're going to go with this, but what do you think about the I'll use advanced suspension training TRX where you start to see kettlebells and BOSUs and all these other things. What's your thought? Well, I guess nothing wrong with that because anything that we could do to promote, promote movement is a good thing. Mm -hmm. And I, I probably have shifted my, you know, lenses on that over time because I used to be a movement snob. And uh, before that I was a functional training snob where if you didn't have um, you know, if you weren't standing on one leg on a BOSU ball, you know, with something in your hand, doing something that transverse plane, it wasn't functional enough. So I would say that a lot of those exercises look good. They're sexy. They're something to strive for. Uh, and they're good to promote movement, but they might not be the best, you know, answers for a lot of our patients, for a lot of our clients. Um, you know, some, and sometimes it's good for business. If someone gets injured doing something really silly, then they get to come to me for, for rehab. And that, you know, ultimately helps me out. But I think um, we have to look at things and, you know, it's important to have guiding principles in your system. 
you know, and no matter what profession you are, what initials are after your name, that's, that's key. So you have to have your, your personal guiding, you know, lights in what your rules are and also your professional guiding lights based on what your um, clinical, clinical experience is versus on what your license can say and things like that. So um, I guess, you know, to, to make a short answer long, <laughs> I think some of those exercises are great. You know, it shows off and it gives people something to, you know, work towards achieving, but they're not always the, the best solutions for people at that time. Right. And I kind of have a follow up to that. So, you know, going back to principles and guidelines and systems, right? So if it fits within, let's use the OPT model, right? Does it fit within the stabilization acute variables or the strength or the power? Then obviously, then you can say, okay, maybe as, as Wendy will say that she knows where it's com coming for me, they've earned the right to do that. So I just think it comes down to form and technique, right? But like, I love, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, like a weight vest makes a lot of sense on a suspension trainer to me, or the unilateral, maybe holding a dumbbell on the other arm, as long as the kinetic chain's in the right order. I don't want people to make it into circus tricks as I'll call it, but I don't want them to think that they can never start to add to the suspension trainer. I think there's that in the middle, as long as the system is in place, the form and technique, but I'd like to see what your thought is on that. Yeah, my thought is, I, I totally agree with you. Um, and a lot of times we miss the opportunity to ratchet up training. Mm -hmm. You know, recovery has become a, a big important topic in our industry. And we look at recovery scores and, and all the different objective metrics that relate to recovery for two reasons. Not only to know when to regress somebody or hold them back, but also when to push them. So by adding a kettlebell, um, you know, to a single arm row with the opposite limb. It's a great exercise. It's a great movement when done, when someone can do a single arm row first, right? We're checking off the, the boxes. Um, I always like to say when we're training, right? When we're adding volume, intensity, sets, reps, reproducibility, we want to try to find the hardest variation that people can do well. And that doesn't always mean minimal, minimal effective dose. You know, people aren't coming to see me. People aren't coming to see you because they want to do the least they can. They want to figure out maximal adaptable load. So how far can we push people, whether it's with strength training, suspension training, loading the body, manual therapies, how far can we push people? How much could we actually give them to create adaptation without creating breakdown. So it's a little bit different, right? We could always think minimal effective dose, making things safe, but that's not really what people want. And it's also not the best way to create adaptation. So it gets back to those principles, you know, know what you're doing things for, have a good answer, you know, think about things a little bit more. Um, and the suspension trainer gives you that safety net to make a little bit of, you know, of a mistake. If I get someone in a single arm row um, and I take aggressive vector angle, it's really easy to have them take a half a step back and change things really quick. So to me, again, there's that safety component, but there's also that component of, you know, do what's right within your system, find out the hardest variation of, of what people can do well, and then really start to ramp up the intensity from there. Perfect. I love it. Well, Chris, I have a kind of a piggyback off of that going the complete different direction. What do you see um, kind of where do you see people going wrong with suspension training? Yeah, I think, well, I think they don't use it enough. Honestly, <laughs> I think, you know, for me, every single one of my patients, clients, athletes, 
gets to use the suspension trainer. And there's so many things that you can, you know, utilize a suspension trainer for, they get missed on. And I think that's the big thing is that people don't use it enough. Clients love it. They can do it at home. They can do it anywhere they want, whether it's someone like Marty training in a hotel, whether it's an athlete getting in very late after uh, a flight, or it's someone just looking to do some mobility exercises in between long periods of sitting at their desk they can use a suspension trainer. So it allows people to have access to positions, allows them to, to learn stability. The suspension trainer does a great job at creating an environment for learning, right? It's that perfect balance of unstable and stable at the same time. You know, and for those reasons, I think people should use it more. I love it. And then, you know, I, I think of oftentimes when people think of TRX, you know, they think of the suspension trainer, However, you get, you know, I know that they have other products such as the rocker and then the rip trainer. Um, we actually were just recently in Serbia and had an individual that, that was um, teaching about TRX and brought the rip trainer. And one of the comments that he made was that it's not used enough or it's used incorrectly, especially in rotational sports. So can you kind of tell us about the two products and truly what the value is of both? Sure, sure. And that's one of the reasons why I love, you know, TRX as a, as a company, um, because they're always looking to pivot and reach the needs of what the community uh, is showing. So one of those things is rotational, you know, stability and propulsion. There's not a lot of products that allow us insight or access to do those things. And that's what the RIP trainer does really well. So because it has an elastic cord um, and because there's education wrapped around it, you can use it safely. Those things allow us to move fast. Um, fast and we can cover the power end of the continuum. So, which is important. Again, it's one of those things where everyone wants to do the super sexy, you know, samurai strike at, at high velocity, but there's lots of regressions or building blocks that allow us to get there. And that's why people are, you know, paying us. That's why people, you know, spend time with us because we are the ones who are supposed to make those smart decisions for people, right? And and that's what's nice about it is it's not just a tool, it's the education, it's the system around it. And the same thing with the rocker, you know, TRX sort of came and said, hey, we're going to create a new soft tissue release product. You know, what do you think about that? And I said, oh, great. You know, the last thing the world needs is another foam roller. However, if you look at things backwards and look at what people's needs are, you know, what are areas of the body where a foam roller doesn't work? You know, what are um, some more um, aggressive or specific manual therapy techniques that I use in the clinic that a foam roller doesn't get you? If you start to look at things in a different way, all of a sudden, wow, the rocker becomes really, really valuable because it has, you know, multiple edges. It has, you know, different, um, you know, a different shape and in, in a way of approaching the tissues that just doesn't happen with a foam roller. So um, th that's what gets me excited is that, you know, TRX is always looking to up the game. They're always looking at what the needs of the community are and they're pivoting to help, to help reach those needs. Excellent. And for those of you just joining us today in the Master Instructor Roundtable, I'm Marty Miller here with my co-host as always, Miss Wendy Batts. And we have a very special guest, physical therapist, Chris Nentars, and we are talking suspension training and all kinds of different little things here. So Chris, I know Wendy and I could talk to you for hours on this topic. But I think maybe for me as a final question here is one of the things that I really love about suspension training we haven't touched on yet is the use of it for isometrics. Can you touch on that? Why we need to focus? We do it in the OPT model. We have a phase that, or, you know, and, and really focus on that isometric. But if you can touch on that before we wrap things up today, I think it'll be very beneficial. 
Sure. Well, I think isometrics in general are the, the fountain of youth for our tissues. They create a training stimulus. They create cellular adaptation, um, especially to some of the tissues like tendons that other exercises don't. So they're very valuable to, to integrate into the program. What's great about the suspension trainer is that it's anchored. So immediately by putting tension into any part of the strap, I'm creating the isometric contraction. So whether I'm facing the suspension trainer doing a wall slide um, or I'm holding the chest press on bottom of a chest press, I'm creating that isometric stimulus uh, at a very low load so it's accessible to anyone and at a position that's not uh, dangerous. So a lot of times if I'm gonna create an isometric with a kettlebell, I might have to be at end range. But if I have someone in a suspension trainer, I could really turn their bodies and get them in a position that's really comfortable. So if someone can't do a perfect wall slide against the wall because they just don't have that you know, thoracic mobility or that anterior shoulder mobility, I could get them into a chest press or into um, a wall slide using the suspension trainer and have the freedom of movement to get their body in a position that's comfortable. You know, as we know, everyone's body types, you know, their, their uh, exposure to training is different. So the suspension trainer allows us to, you know, get them in a position that's, you, you know, specific to their body, body type. Excellent. That was a great answer. Thank you so much. So I know that uh, Wendy and I were excited to have this talk with you today. And just this even little bit that we touched on, I think is going to open up people's minds to suspension training systems, the advantages, and then really how to apply it within their education of the OPT model or the CES as well. So I have a feeling, Chris, we're going to be calling you and asking you to come back. Well, that would be great. It was a great conversation and I hope it, uh, you know, gave everyone a little bit of, of a thirst for more information, you know, that we could follow up on. I love it. Wendy, any final comments? Um, well, I just know that NASM is a partner of TRX as well. So if you go into our you know, trainer resources, you may find something special there. If you're looking to purchase a TRX, a suspension trainer or any of the products. So just a little plug there for you, Chris, because again, I love my TRX. I travel with it. I have my clients use it. I use the door anchor because I don't have anchors in my beams of my house where I can use it. And, uh, and so there are multiple ways um, where people think that it has to be, you know, embedded into the ceiling where it doesn't. And um, and I can't thank you enough for being here. You are full of so much information that I know is going to be super, super beneficial to our listeners. Well, thanks again for having me. Awesome. Thank you, Chris. And thank you for everyone that joined today on the Master Director Roundtable. And we look forward to seeing you next week.